prayer, and then we'll rock the word together. So let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love, for your mercy, for your grace that you've lavished upon us in Jesus Christ. And it's truly amazing that you can work such a way in our hearts through the power of your spirit that we become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, that we can have fellowship with one another, we can have fellowship with you, that we can have your word and that your spirit leads us and guides us in the understanding of this book. And as we think about the things that are found here, we ask, Father, that you will continually make us like your son, Jesus Christ. Help us walk in the truth. Help us love one another. Help us stay steadfast to Jesus. We thank you so much for everything you've given us in your son's name. Amen. So he's not here, so I'm going to talk about him. Uh, this past week, I was talking to Chuck. And Chuck was saying that he started reading Lord of the Rings. And he asked me if I've read Lord of the Rings. And I said, yeah, I, I did. And as I was thinking about Lord of the Rings and all the different stuff that goes in, it's a great book, by the way. I really enjoy it. I, I was thinking about our text this morning in Second John 4 through 6 and just thinking about all the walking that we're going to see in this text. And I thought, well, in the Lord of the Rings, there's a lot of walking, Right? except for that one part where they ride the horses. So I guess there's walking and then they ride horses. There is another part where they also ride a giant eagle too. So I guess there's walking, riding horses, and riding a giant eagle. Well, okay, so there's the other part where they're on a boat too. So, but you get my point. They did a lot of traveling, right? There was a lot of adventures. There was a lot of journeys. And that metaphor of walking, of journeying, is, is a strong metaphor Throughout all of God's word, this idea of something that we do every day, something that's mundane and yet at the same time, depending on the terrain and the circumstances, can be incredibly difficult, right? Something that we do to get from one place to another, in the midst of walking from that one place to another, great things can happen, right? Incredible adversity can happen. Uh, It's amazing how many of our favorite stories talk about journeying, walking, and this metaphor of this activity that we all do, this moving from one place to another, this meaningful one step at a time demonstrates how hard it is, the consistency of it, and how we need to be faithful. And this morning, we're going to talk about our own walk, the Christian walk in the book of 2 John. So turn with me to 2 John four through six, and this morning we're going to learn three things about our walk and walking with others inside of our families and within our church. First is this, when we're walking, we need to celebrate the true walk. We're going to see that in verse four. There needs to be great celebration and rejoicing when we see people walking in the truth. Verse five, we're going to see that there's a command to have a loving walk, right? So there's the celebration of a true walk in verse 4. There's a command to the loving walk in verse 5. And then verse 6, we're going to see the consistency of the expected walk, right? That's going to be in verse 6. So there's this celebration. There's a command of how we're supposed to walk. And then there's this expectation of this consistency, this faithfulness. Now, go with me to verse 4. Notice how 
John says this as he gets into the bulk of the letter. He says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Now, remember last week as we discussed the opening of this book, I had suggested that John is writing this book to an individual lady, though there's some who think that this is referring to a church. And Okay, maybe, maybe it is referring to a church. I, I think that the rules of interpretation are, are lean strongly towards seeing this as a, a lady. And as the, here's this lady, she has children. Last week we talked about the things that this lady and her children faced, right? Uh, she has children, and as we just read in this one verse, some of her children, we'll talk about this phrase, some of her children, are walking in the truth. The implication, by the way, is some of her children are not. There's later on in the book, there's going to be these false teachers. These false teachers are surrounding this lady. And so here's this lady in the midst of this world where she's got some of her kids following the Lord. There's all these false teachers, all this dangerousness. She's surrounded by all of it. And so what does this lady do? What does the pastor say to this lady? And he gives her four pieces of advice, right? Last week, we talked about the well-anchored faith that she had. So the first piece of advice to parents, to people who are dealing with other people, uh, discipling other people inside of a church, what's the first piece of advice that we do when we're surrounded by false teachers and we're struggling with our own walk and then there's the walk of others and they're struggling, we need to remember that we are well anchored in Christ, right? We are well anchored in the truth. This morning, the second piece of advice that he's giving is walk in the truth. Very interesting piece of advice. Some of us would assume that John would tell the lady, well, this is what you need to say to all of your children that don't walk in the Lord and walk in the truth. And here, here's the way that you, you do apologetics to them. That's not what he does. He says, you walk in the truth. You continually walk in the truth. The third piece of advice, which we'll see next week, is watch yourself. Watch out for the false teachers. And then lastly, there's going to be this desire or this wanting for further fellowship. So let's think of this in verse 4. Notice that John, he says, I rejoice greatly. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic, right? That's the idea here. This isn't just, hey, it's a cool thing. He's dancing a Snoopy dance, right? That's the, that's the idea here, right? I mean, he is overjoyed. He, he has incredible joy, extreme joy. This, this is the best news that he could receive. This is like news that Penn State actually didn't lose to Ohio State last night, yesterday, but they actually beat Ohio State yesterday. I'd be dancing a jig. I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be on the roof dancing. That's the idea here, right? Incredible dancing, incredible joy. So what's the source of his joy? Notice, he says, I rejoice greatly to find. Now, if you underline your Bible, that word to find would be a good word to underline. This word for find means that he discovered. But in the Greek, it has this idea of something that he saw way back when, and he continues to see it in their life. It's not a one-time finding. It wasn't like he opened the door and accidentally saw people walking in the truth. This is an ongoing observation of the life of these children. And, and, and it's not just that he found it. He found it, 
and found it and found it and found it. What, how encouraging would this be to the mother to find that the pastor says, hey, I want to let you know I saw your kids. I saw them several times, and each time I saw them, I can report back to you, Mama, they're walking in the truth. Do you know how incredible that is? By the way, let me just say this other thing. This is how the church is supposed to function, by the way. Kids and parents and pastors and leaders and deacons and deaconesses, we all get into a room and we become a melding pot together, right? That's what's supposed to happen. This type of stuff is supposed to happen. There's supposed to be this exposure of, of all types of people together inside so that the, we, we, we can observe each other and we can see each other, we can encourage each other, we can be joyful when we see people walking in the faith. And so here, here's this, this pastor who cares for the souls of the of the children, and the children are around the pastor. I don't think he had to go very far to find these kids, by the way. I don't think it was he, he had to do a little PI work. I, I think he knew exactly where to find them. They were in church. They were together. They were with the people. And so he observes them. So, he obser- so he's, he's rejoicing greatly that he found, and then here then comes this interesting word, this interesting phrase. I found... Some of your children. Now, there's a little bit of a debate on how to take this idea of some. Okay? Some people think, some of the commentators think, that John only knew a couple. So he didn't want to say, I found all of your children walking because I don't know all of them. I only found some of them. Maybe some of them are still with mom. However, there's a, there's a large group, and, and I, I think this is most likely what he means. It implies not all the children are walking in the truth. He found some of them. Now, now, if that is true, and I, and I think there's good reason, that, that word some, is, is there's good reason to believe that. There's good reason to think that it's only some and not all. Some of the reason for that would be because later on he's going to say, hey, <clears throat> your, your elect sister also says hi. She greets you. So he knows the family. He knows these people. It's not like he, he, would know, he wouldn't know of certain children. But just think of this. Sometimes when our children act up, it is easy for us to spend a lot of our time on the child that's acting up and not praising and rejoicing over those who are walking in the faith. We, can, we do that. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be upset at the others that don't walk in the truth, but we should be overjoyed, overjoyed that any of our kids follow the Lord. It, we should be over the moon, how great that is. When, when we have friends, and some of our friends continue in the truth, some of our friends don't. Yes, we can be sad and brokenhearted for those who've walked away from the faith, but do not minimize how incredible the grace of God is and the mercy of God that we might find some of them still walking in the truth. This is a healthy perspective. It is so important for us to celebrate any time that we see somebody walking in the truth. That is so vital. Remember, what we celebrate is what is the behavior that continues. And so if we're constantly celebrating them walking in the truth, then, then that's, what's, 
That's what we care about. That's what they care about. And we've, we have now this other one that's walking with us in the truth. Celebrate that. I'm not saying don't pray for the other. I'm not saying don't be disappointed. Uh, all those other feelings. Celebrate. Also, I want to say one other thing, and, and it's important, and, and you need to hear this. Sometimes children walk away not because of the parents and the way that the parents taught the kids. I know plenty of parents that did their best, they acted godly, they gave godly advice, and their kids walked away. I don't hold the parents responsible for the, for the adult children's decisions. I do believe that each person does have their own responsibility. We as a church should not judge parents based off of the activities of their children, right? That's not, that's not good. That, that's not, we wouldn't want to, just think about this, would you want somebody to judge you based off the actions of your parents? No. You wouldn't want somebody to judge you based off the actions of another. So let us be careful and, and, and save our judgment. Rather, what we should do is we should, when there is somebody walking with the Lord, we rejoice. And when there's somebody that's not walking with the Lord, we're brokenhearted. We pray for them. We, we treat them with love, as we'll see later on. But just think about this. He says, I rejoice greatly. Mom, I rejoice greatly that I find some of your children walking in the truth. I, I like this phrase, walking. Walking implies this consistency, this lifestyle, as I shared at the beginning. Walking is one of those mundane things that we do all the time. And you only get there one step at a time, right? Sometimes we wish we could get there four steps at a time, but that's not how walking works. Uh, it's one step at a time, right? And think about the Christian life. Is not the Christian life one step at a time. Now, sometimes that one step is going uphill. That's a tough step. Sometimes you're going uphill while it's raining. That's a really tough step. Sometimes it's on level ground. A little bit easier. Sometimes it's going downhill. Hey, we get all kinds of different steps in the midst of the Christian life. Praise the Lord for all of them. But, but, but it's, it's all baked in. It's one step at a time. Faithful, consistency, moving forward, growing. And think of this. Notice that they're walking, and then it says, in the truth. And I... I was trying to think of how do I describe this concept of walking in the truth. This word for in the truth has the idea of almost kind of like there's like a bubble around these children. It's like they're bubble children. There's like a bubble around these children. It's like a bubble of truth, right? And so here are these children walking in these bubbles of truth. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the movies about the couple people that were bubble kids, right? They lived their entire existence inside of a bubble, right? A plastic bubble, no germs could come in. Every single step they took was inside of that bubble. Every, every, their entire life was seen and manifested through that bubble. They couldn't function without that bubble. It, like Their whole life and persona was caught up in living inside of that bubble. That's, that's really close to what I think John is saying about these kids. These kids have learned the truth because the Lord worked on their heart after salvation right? The Lord caused the truth to be uh, embedded inside of them as the Holy Spirit leads them and guides them as they continue on walking in the faith with other believers, spending time with the Apostle John. They internalize that truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word. They then can think about it, 
They put it in proper perspective. They make the right kind of principles. And as they step out in faith, it's in the truth. It's in the truth of the gospel. It's in the truth of God's word. And it's so obvious that's what they're doing. It's so obvious that they're walking in the truth. One of the other implications of this, by the way, is that we'll see next week, Lord willing, is this idea that there are a lot of false teachers going around talking about some crazy stuff about Jesus. And what does that mean about these kids? What does this mean about mama? This means that mom was a grizzly bear mom when it came to orthodoxy of the, Christ, of the, of the faith. And those baby cub Christians are also orthodox They also believe the right things about Jesus and the right things about the word. And they're able to walk in a way in an obedience to God's word. Now, notice he says, just as we were commanded by the Father. So think of this. It's not not just that these kids were prioritizing Jesus, being submissive, honoring God, loving God. They were learning and proclaiming his truth. And they were making sacrifices to serve others and serve God. It wasn't just that they were doing that. It was that this is kind of what we all are supposed to do. So I don't know if you've ever been on a pretty long, hard hike with another person. Those hikes are easier. Why? Because you have somebody to help along and encourage. And so the idea is, look, rejoice with those who are walking with you, walking in the truth. And remember, this is what we've been commanded by God. This is a divine command. This isn't just a good idea. It's the command. It's the way we're supposed to go. It's the way we're supposed to do things. Not a holy suggestion. This is a command. And what's the command? That we all walk in the truth. So we should celebrate that when it, when it happens. But this is something that we need to realize that each one of us must walk in the truth. Each, mu- each one of us must prioritize Jesus. Must prioritize the gospel. That must be number one. That's to be the number one thing in your life. Everything must be filtered through Jesus and the gospel. It has to. You have to be submissive to God's word. You have to spend time in God's word. You have to know the rudiments of how to read the Bible. How to properly interpret the Bible. How to then apply the Bible and principalize the Bible for your life. How this particular passage that you're studying fits into all of Scripture. You have to do that. It's, it's a non-negotiable. You have to have a life that is striving to honor God. You have to. This is, this is what we do. There's no other option. You have to have a life that loves fellow believers. You have to continue in your learning of the truth. And you have to continue proclaiming that truth. You have to continue to serve and serve people and and to serve the Lord. And you have to learn how to make sacrifices to do that. Those are non-negotiables for us. That's it. It's the command. It's the order. So when we see others doing this, oh, we know how tough this is. You know how tough that is to do all of those things? That, That is a constant every single moment battle to keep our priorities straight and so when we see somebody having good priorities amen praise the lord how incredible is that that there's somebody else that i can see doing the hard work of making each one of those steps with the right priority now let's go on to the next thing notice 
the command, one of the, the commands that he says. So these children are walking in the truth. We're commanded to walk in the truth. And part of this commandment and the, and the application of the walking in the truth, now he says, notice this. He says, and now I ask you, dear lady. So it's, I'm thankful for the, for the some that have walked. Now, lady, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you and your, your responsibility, your, your personal responsibility. Not as though I was writing you a new commandment. Every time you see that, you know, you know what John's trying to say? You already know this. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything new, right? I'm not reinventing the wheel here. Uh, you already know this. And if this is new to you, well, great that you finally learned it. But this shouldn't be new. This should be like one of those most basic things that we all go, well, of course. But I'm going to, why does he even then write it? Well, because we forget this one. We forget. We forget. You know how easy it is to not follow the commands of God? Do you know how hard it is to be obedient? specifically with the command that he's about ready to say. So this isn't a new one. And and then notice what he says. But one we've heard from the beginning. The idea is what the church has been teaching from the very beginning has been the consistent commandment up until right now. It hasn't changed. There's no changing here. There's no updates. Now, why, why would John write this other than just reminding the lady? We have to remember the context. There are false teachers around her. And what are false teachers known for? I got something new. Something that's never been heard before. Some sort of new word from God. Some new commandment from God. Some new procedure or ritual from God. I got something new. Something exciting. And what's John saying? It doesn't change. So if somebody comes to you with something new, run. Because it doesn't change. It's the same thing. It's it. It's the same thing. For the past 2,000 years, we've been trying to just figure out how we love one another. That's a big enough command that we don't need any new ones. But man, how, oh, sometimes we're like the city of Corinth. Sometimes we're like the city of Athens. We love the new and novel, don't we? Some guy wrote a new book, has a new principle. Oh, I got to go buy it. Oh, wow. Cool principle. Somebody else says something else on TV. Oh, wow, I got to go, gotta go figure that one out. Churches are saying, yeah, this, this one thing, this new thing that's never been said before, man, we got we to gotta, we gotta follow this now. Here's the guy. We got to follow the new guy. First of all, if you know church history, you know none of those things are new. They're just a repackaging of the same old bad product. Also, God's commandments don't change. Trust me, if they would have changed, he would have let us know. He has not let us know. And I guarantee you, he will not communicate that to us. He will not communicate to us through false teachers who deny the truth. So it's kind of like a safeguard here, right? I'm writing to you the same old thing that we've heard from the beginning. It hasn't changed. So imagine this mom as she's talking to her kids. What's she going to say to these kids? Here's the command. It doesn't change. Here's the truth. It doesn't change. A lot of people are going to come and tell you these new things. They're going to say different things. Don't believe it. 
It's a lie. They're gaslighting you. They're trying to use you. They're trying to get stuff from you. They're trying to take you from Jesus. But what's this command? That we love one another. That's it. We love one another. How do we love? We love like Jesus loves. How did Jesus love us? Think about it. How did Jesus love you? What does Jesus do towards you in love? Think of all the blessings you got and you don't deserve them. Do you deserve to be born in this country at this time with all of the stuff that we have right now? Nope. Do you deserve the gifts that you have, the house you have, the clothes you have, the air you breathe? Nope. You don't deserve any of that. But he gives it to you. Well, that's, that's part of his love. How does he love you? He's given you his word. Do you deserve that? Nope. Do I deserve that? Nope. Gives us a wonderful church to serve in. Do I deserve that? Nope. In fact, the only time that this church is perfect is when none of us are here. Do we deserve such a good church? No. Do we deserve that God would have such great love for us that he would send his son to come and die on the cross for our sins? While we were still enemies, Christ died for us. And then give us the righteousness of Christ as he takes our punishment. And then we what? Then we get a co-reign with him? That's the love. That's the standard of love by which we should love one another. The love that Jesus has for us. One time I heard an old pastor, dear friend of mine, he was talking about one guy. He said, Pastor, I think I, I love my wife so much it's a, I make her my idol. And the, the pastor wisely said, well, do you love her like Jesus loves the church? And he said, oh, no, not that much. And he goes, well, then you don't love her enough. See, we, are soup, we fall short at loving one another like Jesus loves us. This is the command. He doesn't need to give us a new command until we figure out how to love one another, how to love one another like Christ. This is the command. And this is how we're supposed to walk. We're supposed to have a loving walk, right? So we're supposed to celebrate every time we see somebody walking in the truth. We're supposed to love one another. Be enthusiastic about our love for one another. Love one another like Jesus loved us. Now, notice this next thing. And this next thing in the next verse talks of the consistency that we're supposed to have. But notice what he says. Kind of interesting, verse 6. He says, and this is love. So so John's going to define what, what this looks like, what this loving walk looks like, what this loving command looks like. That we walk according to his commandments. Do you understand what he just said? We are to love one another, and how is that love defined? By his commandments. And technically, I cannot love you unless I'm obedient to his commandments. That's the way I love. You and I do not get to define what love looks like to each other. God defines what love is. God defines love He defines forgiveness, forbearance, humility. He defines this as we're not getting angry and wrathful. We're not jealous. We hope the best. We believe the best. That's the type of love that we're supposed to have. And these are all commanded. And so if I'm going to love you like God wants me to love you, it has to be scriptural. It has to be truthful. 
And then notice what he says. He says, this is the command, just as you've heard from the beginning. Remember, friends, this isn't a new command. This is the same old command. It's the same thing over and over again. Once, because we forget it. Twice, because there's also false teachers that want to come and tell you, here's a new command. Here's a new thing to do. Here's here's a new way to love God. Here's a new way to do love. No. Until you come out with a better model than Jesus, I don't have to listen to you. That should be our response. And by the way, you'll never come out with a better model than Jesus. No one loves like Jesus. So this is the command we've heard from the beginning. And then then notice, you got to love this, so that, notice the pronoun change, so that you walk in it. By the way, this is a plural you here. Who's the you he's addressing? The elect lady and the sum of the children that are walking in truth. What is the believer's response? Worry about yourself. Be consistent in your own walk. Be truthful in your own walk. Live according to the gospel. Walk in love. I know that there's probably some who are listening in this room, some that are on the live stream right now, and even some that might listen to the sermon recording on Sermon Audio. And you're thinking about some of your own children, some of your own friends, some of the the people that you used to go to church with, used to serve with. Some of them love the Lord, and they walk with the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. What, what dear friends he's given us that continue to walk in the truth. We should celebrate that. We should applaud that. We, we should point people and say, Do you look at the power and the grace and mercy and love of our God as is displayed in my brother or sister who continues to walk in the truth. Amen. We should celebrate that. I also know that just by using that word some, it also means that there's some who do not. That's tough. That's really tough. What's, what, what is the advice from this text for you? What's the advice for, for us that have those friends, that have those family members, that have people that we used to go to church with? You be concerned with your own walk in the truth. It's not good for you to start trying to find out new ways of doing Christianity so that it might be appealing to those that don't believe. No. The vintage is the best here. You walk in the truth. You walk in the love. Don't leave Jesus. Stick with Jesus. Walk in the truth and be loving. I'm amazed how many times we think that logical arguments, heated debates, if I could just find the right phrase and, and, and turn the right phrase, I'll convince people. I, I, I really haven't met a lot of people that were convinced by logical arguments. In fact, I find that most people are convinced because of the realness of the walk of the believer. That's it. We can talk a lot. People might not listen. We can walk in the truth a lot. That's something that people go, well, that's real. Yeah, they don't have to say much. They believe what they say. 
So continue to walk in the truth. Now, I in my life have done a lot of walking. I've done a lot of walking deep into the woods, going places where no man should go. I've taken trucks that have four-wheel drive down roads that I go, this wasn't even made for a person to walk down, but don't worry, I got four wheels that drive. Oh, I've had the daunting task of trying to hunt a deer at dusk and, and to, as darkness comes and evening comes and you're back like four miles and you're like waiting and you go, oh, well, now I can't hunt anymore. So now guess what I get to do? Walk back in the dark. Neat. Walked in snow in the dark. One time I was hunting in a swamp because I'm not, I don't make great life decisions. Rainstorms. It was some tough walking, right? There's, there was one time I shot a buck as the sun was setting in a swamp a couple miles back deep. And I thought, Lord Jesus, please come now. It was really difficult for me to get back there. Now I got to drag an animal carcass through all of this? Ugh. Wasn't pleasant. Wasn't fun. It was hard. Every step was hard. Like, like it was like, it was like there, there were times where it was like, I just want to sit down and cry. But it was that I, I got to take that next step, right? And, and when, if you ever walked in the woods at, at night, you leave markers for yourself? You don't take that next step until you find that marker. And we used to have these little reflectors that we put on trees that when you put your flashlight on it, it would illuminate. You didn't take a step until you saw that next one. So you follow that path and you made that a commitment because there were times where we said, I think I know which way to go even though I don't see that reflector. We were lost for a long time, friends. It was hard. Dragging a deer, looking for those stupid reflectors. Where is it? I can't see it. I can't see it. Angry. Hard work. Each step. We've got to do it. You're gutting it out. It's not pleasant. The walk is not pleasant. But I guarantee you this. When the walk is done, you go, well, now i got a great story. i got a deer. The Lord brought me through this. You could sit down at home. You would say, I don't really want to do that again, but I am. <laughs> I'm going to do that again. Friends, our walk is just like that. We're in the middle of the swamp at night. We're trying to find our way home. It's hard. It's difficult. It's raining. It's snowing. You have to walk through knee-deep high water, looking for the next reflector. Each step is a is struggle. You don't see the branches you're walking into. You don't see the things that are the hazards at your feet. But you keep on moving, and we're not done yet. If you have breath in your lungs, you keep on walking for Jesus. We don't know what tomorrow will happen. Maybe some of us, our walk will be over tomorrow. We don't know that. Therefore, each moment matters. Each step matters. We walk in the truth we're faithful, and those who are walking with us, we encourage them, we celebrate the walk and the grace of God in their life, and we all walk together towards the Lord Jesus Christ.
May the Lord give us both the will and the ability to do all that we heard today. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for everything that you've blessed us with. Help us stay faithful. Help us keep on walking in the truth. Help us not be uh, convinced or twitterpated by the new things that are coming out. Let us be satisfied in Jesus. Let us be satisfied in your word. Father, I, I know that we struggle. And, and teach us how to crave you above everything else. We thank you and love you for everything you've given us in your son's name. Amen.